Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Why do many people refuse to believe in Genesis 1 as a fact. Why? Well, number one reason, there's no explanation to it. So they refuse to believe it because of that. But why? Here's why. If everything started with God as a personal creator, then the created person, by definition, is responsible to the creator. Man's first problem was that he wanted to run his own life rather than to allow the God who created him to run it. The problem continues today. We have all kinds of people attempting to explain how the universe got here, actively rejecting any biblical explanation of origins. We end up with all kinds of dysfunction and don't have a solution because we refuse to recognize that we were created by God. Pastor Mark's teaching will remind us of these facts while at the same time encouraging us to become the followers of Jesus that we're intended to become. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 3 with his continuing study called Role Models. Now, how many of you would like a little more explanation in Genesis 1? How many would like a little more explanation? I'd like a little more explanation. But God doesn't give us any more explanation. The Bible simply states what? God is. Never attempts to prove it. Either take it or don't believe it. Now, why did God do that? Why did God not give us all the ways all this happened? You see, God has always been and always will be. Before there was anything, there was God. Now, how many pages would he have to write for us to understand that? You could never understand it. How can you believe in the beginning God? That's impossible. How many of you think if God wrote how he created the earth, you could Put it in your own words. Anybody here? No, he just said, be light, and there was light. Figure that out. Well, and it worked my formulas. Yeah, your formulas. Mm. No. So why did not God go into a long explanation? Because of one thing. God never requires us to prove that he's alive. He just asks us to believe it. I want you to see Hebrews And I want you to see this. This is very important for you. I love apologetics to a point. I love people arguing about, yes, there is a God, atheist, there isn't a God, and all these other things. But here's the bottom line. For your child as well, because the world is telling them a million things that are wrong. 
Look what God says in Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it's impossible to believe God. Read on. Because anyone who comes to him in a relationship must believe that, number one, he exists. You just have to have faith. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So God designed man to have faith to believe. And you cannot prove it. Faith is required. Very often, here's what man says. God, if you prove to me you're real, I'll believe. God says, no, no, that's not the way it works. You believe, and I'll prove in your heart that I'm real. That's huge. You say, well, I don't like that. Who cares? You're not God. I don't like the way he did it. Were you there in the beginning? We already told you. You weren't there in the beginning. So he set it up so that you and I would have what? Faith. Simply to believe God's worth. And where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more you read the word of God, the more interesting it becomes. Now, notice something quickly. It is interesting the Bible doesn't define those people who will not believe in God by faith. It doesn't define them, but it does give them a name. The Bible says this in Psalm 14. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. God knew that many people would refuse to believe by faith. What does he define them as? A fool. Now, look at Genesis 1.1. It goes on. In the beginning, God, next word, created. Created. It's a very interesting word. Created is the word bara. Bara. And it means this. To create something out of nothing. Now, when you begin to think about that, only time we ever see this word bara created in the Bible, God's connected with it. Because only God can create something out of nothing. So in the beginning, God bara. He created the world out of nothing. Out of non-existing materials, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, once he created the heavens and the earth, uh, he used the existing materials that he created out of nothing uh, to be assembled and do all kinds of other things. So ever since that first six days of creation, everything else is created or assembled out of existing materials. Man himself cannot bara anything. Only God can bara. Did you know even the great Steve Jobs... Never barad anything. He made this iPad out of existing material. Now, I know some of you are saying, Pastor Mark, this is a first service. What in the world are you talking about? I didn't come to learn if I could barra something or not. Well, yes, you did. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and just say this this morning. Only God can barra. Just do it, would you? Now, you say, that's stupid, Pastor Mark. No, it's not stupid. That defines God versus you and me. Everything else 
We have existing material to make it. Only God can bara. Now, next thing I want you to write is this. Because God is in the beginning and you and I are not, because God is the only one who can create something out of nothing, here's the next statement you want to write down. Man is to obey God first in his life because life is all about, not man, but God. Colossians 1, verse 16 says this. Everything got started in him, God, and finds its purpose in him. You see, if you teach your child, your student, your grandchildren, that it's all about them, purpose of life is about them finding their way and doing their thing, that's 100% wrong. Notice, everything got started in God, and everything finds its purpose, not apart from God, but in God. That's why the very first thing you need to teach your children is that their life is all about God. Now, I want you to look at me for a moment, because this won't take me long, but I think it'll help you understand the world's philosophy. So just take a look at me. Why do many people refuse to believe in Genesis 1 as a fact? Why? Well, number one reason, there's no explanation to it. So they refuse to believe it because of that. But why? Here's why. If everything started with God as a personal creator, then the created person, by definition, is responsible to the creator. Did you get it? You see, if I created myself, then I can be responsible to myself. But if somebody else created me, then that person, by definition, is responsible to look to the one who created him or her and go, well, how does life work? I'm not on my own anymore. So sinful man will come up with any theory, and we have a million of them, to explain away a personal creator. You see, sinful mankind wants to do life on their own. They want to be their own God. They would read Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, Mark Balmer. Well, that's not what it says. By the way, since sin entered our world, every child is born with that very same independent sin nature. You remember the famous song? I'll do it my way. It's a great song, but it's very ungodly. Let me ask you the question this morning. If you're a parent and you're doing life your way, what are you passing on to your children? You're passing on disaster. Because life cannot be successfully accomplished apart from God being the center. It's impossible. It's impossible. So parents must teach and model that we put God first, his word first, and everything flows around God, and eventually everything will work out fine. It doesn't exclude us from the troubles and the difficulties and the pains and things of life. Definitely not. We all have those. But when we put God first, everything works out right. Now, 
You've seen this picture a thousand times this week. Steve Jobs. Most of us are very thankful for Steve Jobs and his amazing contributions he made to the world. In fact, I'm teaching from one of those contributions this morning, an iPad. Understand, Steve was not just like a president of the United States who affected his generation in the United States for four years. Steve was a gifted man who actually changed not just this nation, but our whole world, and not just this generation, but for generations to come. One of the greatest impacting men ever in our world. We've seen a lot of things about his religion. It appears that Steve Jobs was a self-identified Buddhist, even though at one time he was baptized and instructed in the Christian faith. None of us here this morning can be certain where Steve Jobs is now that he's died. But there is something, I think that's a great principle for you as a parent and grandparent. When a person like this passes away in any kind of way, shape, or form, somebody that's well-known, somebody that's had great impact, it can become a great teaching tool for parents for their children and grandchildren. Friday morning, when I got up, God began to speak to me. And I sat down and crafted an email to our children, their spouses, and our grandchildren. And my wife looked it over and she added a comment or two that, that we've sent. I don't do this very often, but I want to open our hearts and our home to you today. And I want to share with you the email I sent to our children, for them to minister to our grandchildren. It goes like this. Hey, kids, I'm doing a two-part teaching on how to be a godly parent, how to be a godly role model. I want to remind you that Steve Jobs' death is a great teaching tool for you as parents to share with your children. Of course, a four-year-old won't understand this. has to be a little older than that. You can talk about all the positive things that Steve Jobs did. Now, many of our children, our children as well, have their iPod, they have their iPhone, they have whatever. They already have those things. So there's the individual and his whole organization that created that. He, how, you can talk about how God used him and his God-given gifts to change the whole world for the better. Now, we don't know, and you can't explain to your children where Steve is now, But we do know that death, when it comes, brings everyone to one of two destinations. You can also speak about how we can know where we will go before we die. Tell them that Christ followers live with hope now and hope for eternity because of the promises of God. And then I said this in the email. Steve's death reminds me that the Bible teaches the priority of three things. God, people, and the use of our time. In the email, I inserted a quote recently given by Billy Graham. Has nothing to do with Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was alive. Billy Graham isn't thinking of Steve Jobs, so I want you to understand it's not reflected on Steve Jobs. This is just one of the principles that a brilliant man who's served the Lord for all these years made. 
And it's a keeper for me. It's going on my wall of things that will always be there for me to kind of peruse and never forget. Listen to what he wrote. I believe it's very prophetic. Of course, for Steve Jobs, he didn't know that, still doesn't know that. Isn't about Steve Jobs. But it is prophetic for you and me. And I included it for our kids to use with their children and our grandchildren. Here's what Billy Graham says. However famous a person may be, or however great his wealth, or whatever his contribution to literature or science, if he has not come into a vital conversion experience with Christ, then that person has lived in vain. That's right on. Are you living as a parent or grandparent this morning in vain? Is that what you're passing on? No. We're Christ followers. We have hope now. We're passing on hope forever. So understand the ending of my email. Thanks for being good godly role models for your children, our grandchildren. Mom and I love you very much. We pray for you often, your spouses, and of course, for our grandchildren. We look forward to spending all eternity with you and with our loving God. Blessings, Mom and Dad. Let me remind you this morning, there's nothing more important than you as a parent and a grandparent knowing you're going to heaven because your sins have been forgiven and knowing that you've passed along those truths to your children. Now, whether they believe or not, that's going to be up to them, but you can pray for them. Some of our children are too young to make that decision. Others have already made that decision. Some of us could have prodigals that aren't there. There's nothing more important to know when we die. Not that we sold 5 billion iPads, but that our kids and our grandkids are going to be in heaven with us forever. There is nothing more important in your life than that. And that is what the world clouds. It never really wants to talk about that. So you and I, I want you to just write this last part. Parent, model what putting God in the center of your life looks like. You model it. God first. My relationship with God first. My salvation comes from God. In the beginning, God. Now, if I don't do that, if I don't model the good, our kids will pick up the bad. Look at verse 8. You're right there. Then they will not be like their ancestors, who were stubborn, rebellious, unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. You see, if parents are not realies, if they're hypocrites, then they're going to put their children's lives at risk. But you're not that. You're real. You see, if, if we don't influence our kids for the positive, the enemy will find ways to influence for the negative. Stubborn, rebellious, unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. You and I don't want that. That's the sin nature that we have to battle ourselves. Now, turn with me in the Bible to Second Peter. New Testament, almost to the end of the Bible. Second Peter... Right down there, go to the book of Revelation, last book, and just move forward. Second Peter, head on to chapter 3, verse 18. This is the second thing that I want to give you in a moment. Notice what it says. 
You see, when we become a Christian, when we put God in the center of our life, that isn't an event, that's a lifestyle. It's a lifelong lifestyle. And Peter says it like this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. To him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen. Here's the second thing I want you to write. Number two, teach and model the priority of spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. We do want our children to learn about how to do life, how to be great employees, how to get along with people, how to handle the difficulty things of life, how to be like a Steve Jobs and be creative and use your time well. We want them to do that. But the priority is spiritual growth. See, healthy things grow. Can you imagine taking your 16-year-old, walking into a restaurant, and your 16-year-old gets a hold of the waitress and says, do you have a, a, a high chair? And she says, well, sure. For who? Well, I want to sit in a high chair today. What? And by the way, do you have any baby bottles? I want to pour my milk into a baby bottle. You'd be out of your mind. And yet when we look at that, I want to give you two keys. Spiritual growth is not automatic. Here's something in the church that we don't understand. Listen to this very carefully. Growing older is not the same thing as growing up. Growing older is not the same thing as growing up. We have people, and you've seen them, in the church who have been serving God, quote, for 40 years. They know less than a new believer. Yeah, but I'm 40 years a Christian. Yeah, but you haven't grown up. That's sad. So the purpose of being a Christian is to grow in all aspects of our life. Jesus, in Luke chapter 252, it says, he grew in the wisdom and knowledge of God and man. For sure, we're not just godly people that don't know how to do life, but we know both. So most of all, we do want our children to grow spiritually. So how is that going to happen? First key, write it down. Parents, you are to model what spiritual growth looks like. They're, they're going to grow way faster than you. you. You know those kids. At five and all of a sudden we hear this word, growth spurt. And your budget goes fahooey. Because their shoes go from a size seven to 12. And all their pants are too short. And now you can't keep any food in the refrigerator. How many remember those days? I mean, they're always in there eating like crazy. Well, how are you going to model that? You're not going to grow like that, but you're going to have to grow spiritually. So what does that look like? Spiritual growth is not complicated. It's simply this. Look at me. It's simply this. It means to grow more like Christ in our thinking, in our actions, and in our character, who we are. And all of that relates, all of that relates to a big difference between religion and a relationship with God. Today, Pastor Mark reminded us of the important role parents have in passing on the principles of God to their children. First, of course, the parents themselves have to know God. In addition, we learn the importance of obeying God. This obedience will result in blessings in our lives from God. 
will also be a demonstration to this world of the changes God can make in their lives too. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will wrap up Role Models Part 4. He will continue teaching about the need for us Christ followers to be honest with one another. We'll be reminded that as this world continues to move further away from God's principles, we need to be obedient to God's Word. The difficulties this might cause will be balanced by the blessings received from God as a result of our faithfulness. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Contagious, Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.